Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. hell. This whole process is taking forever. It can't be that hard to find a deputy chief whip, surely. Well, having served under several Conservative administrations, Prime Minister, it, um, isn't usually. But, if I may be so bold, your hiring requirements are a little more specific than I've seen in the past. What a load of bollocks. You make it sound like I'm being fussy. All I'm looking for is a whip who can ensure total, blind loyalty and complete discretion, who strikes fear into the hearts of anyone they come into contact with, and who is entirely non-judgmental of anything he may walk in on when entering my office. You've also very clearly specified, must be willing to blackmail and bully people into lying on record, must be able to force others to appear on breakfast television to defend any and all actions without any understanding of context, and must be able to pressure all MPs into agreeing to break international law when required. Good Lord, man! What have I told you about reading the small print out loud? The walls have ears, you know! Well, if you're aware of that, why on earth do you keep expecting to get away with all the blatant lies? I haven't told a lie in my life. I swear it on the top of this blonde intern's head. Isn't that right, dear? <laughs> oh, good God, sir. I'm sat right here. Oh, grow up. What a man does with his latest secretary and mistress behind a large wooden desk is his own business. Now get on with it. Oh, my... Not you, woman. I meant the interviews. <laughs> Who's next? Let's see. Hang on, it's... Oh. Sir, I don't think this is a good idea at all. Uh, were you aware Christopher Pincher's CV was still in this file? Pinchy? What a brilliant idea. Oh, this should be good. The old Pinch Master General. He's a bloody good laugh, I tell you. A very hands-on sort of chap really gets to grip with all the honourable members he can reach out to. Pinchy by name, Pinchy by nature. Get a few vodka Red Bulls in him, he's the life of the party. The sort of fellow who really grabs your attention. <laughs> by attention, I mean your penis. I mean he literally grabs your penis. Do you know what I mean? Yes, sir. I know exactly what you mean. Because there have been several complaints and a full disciplinary process followed, which you clearly know all about. No, I don't. Uh, you do, sir, because I reported it to you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I remember it very clearly. No, you don't. I think I'd know what I remember. Remember what? I've no idea what you're talking about. The complaints, sir, about Christopher Pincher's conduct. I've never heard a complaint about Christopher Pincher in my life. <sighs> the subtext of everything you just said was very clearly 
Billy that he has an established history of being completely sexually inappropriate. No, it wasn't. You then did away with subtext altogether and said, and I quote, He's the sort of fellow who really grabs your attention. And by attention, I mean your penis. I mean, he literally grabs your penis. End quote. Well, this is the first I'm hearing of it. And I can't possibly block a man's promotion for no other reason than scurrilous and unsubstantiated hearsay. But it's not unsubstantiated. He was proven culpable by a disciplinary process which I then informed you of. That's literally what I'm trying to tell you. Well, it's resolved then, isn't it? Nothing to worry about. Being disciplined for being a sexual predator isn't an issue being resolved, sir. It's a raging neon sign of an indication that such a man shouldn't be given a position of enormous power over others. Look, I've heard you, and I've already forgotten all about it. Let's just see how the interview goes, shall we? Everyone deserves a second chance. Or a thousand of them, in your case. What was that, you little shit? Oh, nothing, sir. It's painfully obvious you aren't listening to a word I say anyway. That's the spirit. You can send him in now. Nothing seems to be happening, sir. Oh, God, that's right. My secretary's busy under the desk at the moment. (laughs) Honestly, I'd forget my own head if I wasn't currently enjoying it. Christopher, come in, old bean. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, Christopher's got an interview! Pinch, grope, don't drop the soap, pinch is here, I tell ya! Waga, 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 Jesus Christ, get off me! Stop that! Oh, don't be a sourpuss! Turn that frown upside down! Oh, Pinchy's not gonna hurt ya! I can make you feel good! <laughs> oh, this is bloody brilliant! Can you imagine, chap? Who's going to say no to this when it comes to whipping rider? Everyone! Everyone's going to say no to this. I'm saying no right now. Stop it. I don't consent. Stop. The wonderful thing about pinchers, it's a wonderful thing and it's true. Give a pincher a position of power and a pincher will lemonest you. Prime Minister, I must protest. Well, you can't. I've made it illegal. Oh, come on. Let old Christopher give it a tug. I want to ring the church bell in your tummy. Yoink! Get off me! Get out! Uh Uh-oh. Somebody woke up on the wrong side of a bed they weren't forced into this morning. Get the fuck out! I've got to say, chap, that was rather unprofessional of you. Unprofessional of me? I... are you joking? I never joke about important matters of Parliament, boy. I'm a thoroughly serious man, and I think I can say with absolute conviction that we've just found our new Deputy Chief Whip. (laughs) Depending on the outcome of a full and thorough vetting process, that is. Nudge, nudge, wank, wank. I was just assaulted right in front of you. You don't take any sexual misconduct seriously at all, do you? That's a very hurtful thing to say. I'll have you know my government conducts itself with the highest standards of... (laughs) Integrity and... (laughs) Sorry, I've just come. What was I saying? I'll draw up the paperwork for the new appointment, Prime Minister. Jolly good. Pass me the tissues, will you? There's a good lad.
the great British waterway. Lakes, rivers, and streams that formed the vital organs and arterial pathways of our nation's ancient ecosystem. In later years, they would be bent to the will of man. Natural riverbeds and inlets strengthened, expanded, and reforged into the canals and ports that formed the foundation of our modern economy. We owe our very way of life to the lifeblood. Their gushing and trickling pulse carries us. Yet here, in 2022, in one of the richest economies in the world, we treat them with contempt. Raw, unfiltered sewage is once again being pumped into our waterways, as our inefficient sewage system fails once more to accommodate heavy rainfall. The water companies, despite paying out nearly £60 billion in shareholder dividends in the past 30 years, insist the money simply isn't there to invest in physical improvements. Couple this inaction with the supply chain issues we have suffered as a direct result of the pandemic and our new post-Brexit relationship with the European Union, and if you'll pardon the pun, we have a perfect storm on our hands. Only this time, it isn't George Clooney being swept out to sea, it's thousands upon thousands of gallons of human shit. The Environment Agency, rendered toothless in their ability to hold water companies to account when it's simply impossible for them to obtain the chemicals needed to treat our wastewater, has, for the last two years, been granting special permission to discharge this torrent of filth into our seas and rivers. It's an approach that's effectively been endorsed by the government, who, last year, voted down an amendment from the House of Lords and sought to stop water companies dumping raw sewage. While there is some nuance to be found in the legislative process, the overarching theme is clear. We are not protecting our rivers and beaches anywhere near as effectively as we would have been made to by EU legislation. Brexit itself has made it harder to obtain the raw materials needed to treat our sewage, and the government have shown nowhere near enough drive in addressing the crisis. This ecological disaster once again came to a turtlehead in England this week, as dozens of beaches closed for public health reasons or put out fresh warnings about the level of contamination. Decades of underinvestment in our sewerage infrastructure, coupled with aggressive deregulation and a reactive, punitive system of oversight that punishes rather than drives prevention of wastewater discharges, are now poisoning our natural spaces and destroying local businesses that rely on tourism. It is a bleak picture, and one that the multiverse tells us may only get worse. This is Bognor Regis, but not as we on Earth Prime know it. This is Earth Delta Peristalsis Fucksack Goldsmith 84, and here there have been no environmental protections for Britain's rivers and seas for hundreds of years. It is, quite literally, a poo planet. Enormous profits and dividends for shareholders for the privatised water companies have seen centuries of deliberate underinvestment, and this world's vision of Brexit has left their regulatory bodies utterly toothless to prevent the rampant pollution of the ecosystem. But evolution is a marvellous thing, and even here, in the most squalid 
and filthy of conditions, life finds a way. This tiny little fellow you can hear scratching around, scrabbling desperately for any relevance, is Parasiticus Sunak, more commonly known as the Hedge Fund Spider. It is a truly unique arachnid, and that it neither proactively hunts nor builds any infrastructure of its own. Instead, it merely tears up the social safety nets of other, more empathetic spiders, devouring their food and growing fat on its passively accumulated wealth. But Parasiticus Sunak has predators of his own among these fetid swamps. Listen carefully, and in the distance, you might just hear the call of a swooping turd-billed truss. And here she comes now. This particular rank bottom feeder is just an adolescent, having only recently shared its downy yellow feathers. Nevertheless, it still poses a very real threat to Parasiticus Sunak, which for some reason stands perfectly still on the beach, in the deluded belief that it has any hope of winning this conflict. One gulp, and it's the end of the hedge fund spider who will soon be shut out and returned to the toxic ecosystem in a more junior role, as one of the Turd Bill Truss's many incompetent little shits. <coughs> Speaking of which, here comes the Blonde Walrus, an evolutionary subspecies unique to this universe. Etonius Partigate is over 800 pounds, and is constantly defecating wherever it goes. <coughs> Much like the water companies up and down the length of the country, it doesn't do a single thing to clean up the torrent of effluence it leaves in its wake. Mm, Thank heavens, then, for the turd build Truss, which seems bizarrely optimistic about all of the shit it's now going to eat. Nobody knows why. I'm David Shattenbugger, holding his nose, reporting for IC News. Prime Minister, welcome home. Who are you? I'm your new personal aide, Prime Minister. I served the previous administration, and I've been a civil servant here at Downing Street for almost a decade. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you too. My name is Liz Truss. I'm 47 years old. I live at 10 Downing Street in London. I'm five feet and seven inches tall. I have blonde hair and blue eyes. I like cheese, pork markets, expensive photo shoots, and my favourite thing in the whole wide world is economic growth. Pork markets! Oh, um, okay. I didn't kill her. Sorry, Prime Minister, what was that? Nothing. So, you're a civil servant, are you? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. You don't work at the Treasury, do you? No, ma'am, I work here at number 10. Good, because I fire civil servants who work at the Treasury, you know, even if they've been there ages. We're all about growth now. I have a vision, you see, and it's very important that my vision stays in the right tunnel. Don't you mean stays on the right track, Prime Minister? Did you just correct me? 
because that is a disgrace. I prefer to think of it as offering impartial advice. Port Markets, you should ask Tom Scholar what happens to civil servants who correct me. Do you just say... I say perhaps just fine, thank you very much. Of course. Look, I um, I do apologise if I've done anything to offend you, ma'am. It's my hope that we can work closely and effectively together, and I assure you that I take my commitment to advising the Prime Minister very seriously. Well, good, because I very much value all the advice I receive, provided it comes from the European Research Group or my old friends at Shell. How much money have you got? Money, Prime Minister? Yes. How much are you worth? Well, I make a slightly above average Westminster salary. Uh, My wife and I share a mortgage on a house in Watford. So you don't have shares in fracking companies or run your own hedge fund? Um, no, ma'am. I really don't get why I should be taking your advice then. Paul Markets! Bless you, Prime Minister. Thank you. Here, take this. Gladly, ma'am. May I ask what it is? It's your new handbook on how to effectively advise the Prime Minister and her new cabinet. If I absolutely must listen to what you think, you're going to have to read it. It's going out to everyone in the civil service, so watch your Oxford commas, please. I think there may have been some mistake, Prime Minister. (laughs) This appears to be a single piece of paper with the words, agree with everything I say, written on it. Check the fine print at the bottom. Ah, that bit says, or else. Marvellous. I'm glad we understand each other. Now, it's about time we started to unchain Britannia, don't you think? It's time to get Britain moving and get back to true blue conservative values. Excellent, Prime Minister. Item one on the agenda today, of course, is how do we approach some of your policy promises from the leadership race? Now that you're Prime Minister, we obviously want to reach out to the country. Oh, that's easy enough. I'm not changing anything. I meant all of it. Tax cuts that favour the wealthy, increased borrowing, scrapping the working time directive, leaving the European Court of Human Rights, bringing back fracking and binning some of our animal welfare and environmental protections. All of it. Oh, and don't forget continuing to pick a fight with the EU. And if none of that works, we're going to straight up kill the poor with hammers. That tested very positively at the hustings. Prime Minister, may I be frank? You can be anyone you like, so long as it isn't Rishi Sunak. (laughs) I do respect your desire to move away from some of the recent populism, but I think pursuing every single massively unpopular policy platform you can think of might be overcorrecting the ship a little. I see. You're fired. Yes, ma'am. I rather thought I might be. Pork markets! Bless you, Prime Minister. I'll go and clear my desk. (laughs) Pop markets! (laughs) The creation of fictional enemies to rally against is a tried and tested tactic, and the politics of division are very much still alive and well under this trust-led administration. There's a real lack of focus to Liz's mudslinging, however, as the anti-growth coalition she's now attempting to paint as the enemy is a staggeringly broad one. Seeking to name her opponents, the Prime Minister called out Labour, the SNP, the Liberal Democrats, the Green Party, the unions, protesters, think tanks, climate activists, every economist who isn't Patrick Minford, benefits claimants, migrants, that woman who looked at her funny in a florist's once, and anybody with a name containing one or more vowels. 
joining us in the studio today to discuss the apparently virulent influence of the UK's anti-growth lobby. It's our Conservative correspondent, Sebastian Forlock. First of all, Sebastian, we've been turning to you quite a lot recently, given the turmoil within your party of choice, and I'd just like to establish some ground rules for this interview. Oh, what fun! My safe word is Hesseltine. No, no, this is precisely what I'm talking about. I don't want any photos of Margaret Thatcher going up anyone's arse. I don't want any horse sodomy either, or any hot wax in any bodily orifices, or any scat fetishism. I'm going to politely ask you to leave your masochism and humiliation fetish at the door this week, because this is actually very serious. Oh, I agree, dear boy. Although quite how you expect me to discuss Liz Truss without getting a single thrill of the humiliation is a little beyond me. I could just do without another deep cleaning bill this week, OK? Last time was a horror show. Oh, you're no fun, Sam. I didn't realise lefties were such prudes. I'm not a prude. I just don't fancy being a direct witness to a traumatic rectal injury twice in the space of a fortnight. That's all. (laughs) Tell me you've never been to the Carlton Club without telling me you've never been to the Carlton Club. (laughs) Let's just stay on task, shall we? How do you feel the conference went this week? In all honesty, Sam, it was one of the best and most united Tory conferences I've attended in years. Hundreds of members, all singing from the same hymn sheet, and utterly unanimous in their opinions. It filled me with a real sense of hope and purpose. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Mainly because it doesn't tally in the slightest with the obviously incredibly fractious impression just about anyone paying any attention to the Tories at the moment is getting. Ethel, you really shouldn't listen to the gossip columns and never-rans from the back benches, Sam. I can promise you, as a positively throbbing blue Tory member, we're all tremendously excited at the prospect of growth, growth, growth. The only problem the Truss Project has is one of communication. She simply hasn't been clear enough. Conference demanded clarity, and clarity is what she gave us. It's now absolutely crystal clear that nothing has been working over the last 12 years. It's even clearer that her determination to fix it is rooted in her childhood experiences where she witnessed years in Leeds that were also marked by deprivation and a lack of social progress. Yeah, about that. She's been in government for many of the last 12 years, and those years in her childhood were also under a Tory administration. Well, I don't see how that's relevant. Don't you? What's important, Sam, is growth. The sort of throbbing rebound that we saw under the coalition government. The exact sort of growth that we now have to pursue. The sort of growth that can only be generated by cutting regulation and taxes for our wealth creators. The problem, Sebastian, is the suggestion that it was Osborne's tax cuts for the wealthiest that caused the growth you're talking about in the first place. The British economy was always going to rebound after the financial crash and global recession of the late noughties. Framing all the benefits of that recovery as a direct result of the fiscal policy of the time is misleading. 
In fact, there's now a great deal of economic evidence to suggest that austerity under Osborne and the Cameron government was the wrong call. The data in favour of trickle-down economics simply isn't there. It's a failed policy and has been for generations. Cutting public services in the wake of the financial crisis actually stagnated the growth we could have had had Osborne invested in public services and infrastructure rather than sacrificing them in favour of tax breaks for the rich. Truss and Quateng's plan is just a repetition of the same failed nonsense. Well, I think you're being spectacularly ungenerous, Sam. Particularly when our clearly very humble and contrite Chancellor has taken such responsibility for the missteps in communication recently. And you heard the poor fellow on GB News. The death of our beloved Queen created a very high-pressure environment for him. Well, now it's my turn, because I don't see how that's relevant. It's all part of the natural grieving process, Sam. If you had any empathy for Mr. Quartang, you'd understand. It goes shock, denial, anger, announcing 45 billion in unfunded tax cuts that crash the pound and almost tank pension funds, direct intervention from the Bank of England, recession, and then acceptance. I think you mean depression, not recession. <laughs> I don't think I do, Sam. <laughs> Well, what about this anti-growth lobby Trust talked about in her speech, then? Because surely it's blatantly ludicrous blame-shifting for years of stagnant growth under her party. Is it, Sam? When we're talking about stalled economic growth, is it ludicrous to blame the opposition party who haven't been in power for over a decade? Is it ludicrous to blame the climate activists when investing in renewables like the government are now refusing would create thousands of new jobs and opportunities and safeguard both the planet and our energy security in the future? Is it ludicrous to blame the red tape of the European Union when scrapping all of it here in the UK does nothing to change the fundamentals of trading with them for our exporters and it's Brexit itself that has actually created more paperwork and costs for British businesses? Yes. All right, yes, I rather suppose it is. But that is not the point. The point is that we are all about growth now. And you hit the nail on the head earlier, my boy. The best and most vigorous growth is always after you've choked off the economy good and proper, which is exactly what the last two weeks have been all about. And believe me, the rebound will be glorious. Look, I'll, I'll prove it. Sebastian, why are you taking your trousers off? What did I say at the start of this inter- Oh my fucking god, what have you done? Marvellous, isn't it? Look, I've tied off absolutely everything with the strongest rubber bands I could find. Oh my god, it's so purple and black. Precisely. And this is just the sort of economic climate Quatang and Truss have created. One that's absolutely ripe for sudden recovery and glorious growth. All we have to do is remove the red tape. Sebastian, you need to go to the hospital. Nonsense! I'll just trim the shackles of these burdensomely bureaucratic EU rubber bands away. 
and unleash Britain's full economic potential. Oh, God! Huh. That, uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Your dead genitals have just trickled down to the floor, Sebastian. Well, this is very confusing. I thought this was how we were meant to get Britain moving. Why aren't you screaming? Oh, give it time, dear boy. I think I might be experiencing a little fiscal shock. I'm Sebastian Forlock, and I think I might go and have a little lie down. Reporting for IC News. Thanks, Sam. And you're absolutely correct. We may be boycotting the World Cup in Qatar, by which I mean we couldn't secure press passes. But who cares about Earth Prime anyway? In terms of sporting spectacular throughout the multiverse, our World Cup isn't even in the championship. I've got something much bigger and better for all of our listeners at home. If you want drama, conflict and nauseating human rights abuses, this right here is the place to be. Isn't that right, Chris? Absolutely, Tom. It's unbelievable. What is, Chris? I don't know, Tom. Brilliant. The tournament's only just kicked off and you can already feel the passion and excitement in the air. What do you think, Alan Shearer? I, I guess. Amazing! I've never heard him sound so thrilled. And the reason for that frisson of excitement is the fact that this isn't just your average boring football tournament. It's got much higher stakes than that. We're here on Earth Delta Beckham Massacre of the Day 66, just in time for the opening day of their Human Rights Abuses World Cup. There's everything to play for as we head into the group stages, but this tournament definitely has its early favourites. Isn't that right, Ali? You're absolutely right, Tom. Heading into this World Cup, you'd have been a fool to claim it was anybody but Russia's to lose. But they've been drawn in Group C with Iran, Uganda and Belgium, and now we're faced with a scintillating possibility of an early upset. What with the Iranian crackdown on student protests and Uganda's long history of fielding such a strong anti-queer midfield, there's everything to play for, and you can never discount Belgium. Oh, absolutely not, Ali. They've been on terrible form the past few decades. But this is the country of King Leopold II we're talking about, arguably the greatest of all time to ever play the beautiful, brutal game. Aye, it's always a toss-up between him and Hitler, but we're not here to coast on past glories, Tom. Massacres of the past aren't going to score you any points here in Qatar in 2022, and these hot conditions are going to be difficult for the Belgians. When you're sweating in 50-degree heat, it's hard to even grip a machete, let alone lop off the hands of a worker on your rubber plantation that's failed to make quota. You mentioned Qatar there, Ali. Speaking of the host nation, they're playing in one of the opening matches right now. How are things down at the El Bait Stadium, Chris? The atmosphere is incredible here, Tom. In the background, you can hear the ghosts of tens of thousands of victims of modern slavery howling in agony. We're not even 10 minutes in, and the Qataris have already seized the early advantage by imprisoning 50 lesbians. The Argentinians are really going to have to up their game in terms of endemic violence against women if they're to regain possession here. A little bit of police brutality up front and the suppression of a few journalists just isn't going to cut through Qatar's defence. They've built a surprisingly solid wall here, Tom. Solid enough to stop Amnesty International getting a look in. Dripping stuff, Chris. 
It's unbelievable, Tom. Yes, you've said that. You think I'd believe most of the stuff that happens on the pitch by now, given how long I've been doing this, but it's still unbelievable, Tom. Calm down, Chris. Okay, Tom. And what about the Lions, Ali? How do you fancy England's chances in this tournament? Well, as you know, Tom, this is a young squad we're fielding, but Braverman's one of the hungriest and most abusive centre-forwards we've seen in years. She's been chewing up human rights laws on the far right wing through all the qualifying stages, but make no mistake, our group is an absolute monster. <laughs> You're not wrong, Ali. China, North Korea and the USA, all big beasts of the game. England are going to have to call upon all of their experience to get through the group stages of this tournament. I know that Gareth Southgate has been hard at work brushing up on his colonialism, and the 4-4-2 Bengal famine formation has been working out well for the squad so far. Absolutely, Tom, but in the modern game, all that rich history counts for very little against the recent atrocities of the CIA. You know the Americans like to keep things quiet, but there's plenty going on under the hood with that team, and you can never count them out. And I passed the Chinese changing room today, and even in there, the lads are whipping Uyghur Muslims with lengths of rubber hosepipe. That's real commitment to the game. Aye, those boys have been putting in a real shift in training the last few years and they're determined to recapture the glory days of the Great Reset. In terms of human rights abuses in 2022, they're the real all-renders of this tournament. I agree, Ali. Russia have shown some explosive offence out of the gate, but in almost every qualifying game, they were pushed back into their own half within moments. Aye, and some might even argue it was only the massacres they left in retreat that have got them through on aggregate. They've got the passion for atrocities, Tom, but it remains to be seen whether or not they've got the depth. Oh, sorry to jump in here, Ali, but it sounds like there's been a big development over at El Bait. Oh, what a play, Tom. For a moment there, it really looked like Argentina were about to launch a counter-offensive with some brutal conditions in their federal prisons, but that's small potatoes compared to the absolute scorcher Qatar have just landed. It's unbelievable, Tom. You're on the radio, Chris. You're really going to have to describe things a bit better than that. Sorry, Tom, I'm just stunned. Qatar have just used bribe money and an indifferent West desperate for oil to absolutely whitewash their record and have just executed those 50 lesbians right under the Argentinians' noses. It's exactly the same tactics we saw work so effectively for Saudi Arabia just four short years ago. Qatar have just chopped up Argentina's defence like they were a dissident journalist. It's shades of 2018 all over again. I'll give it to you this time, Chris. It really is unbelievable that money keeps excusing these horrific atrocities. It's unbelievable, Tom. I've just said that, Chris. <laughs> Very exciting, Tom. So there we have it, listeners. Why waste your time with the boring old World Cup back home when you can really get down and dirty with some proper atrocities with us right here on IC News? What do you think, Alan Shearer? I break a grove in that. Oh, <laughs> he's asleep. Never mind. I'm Tom King, and I can't wait for the ISIS-style highlight reel of this tournament. Reporting for IC News. It's unbelievable, Tom. Shut up, Chris. Thanks, Sam. It's been two weeks since the first whistle blew for the World Cup in Qatar. And what a spectacle it's been. 
against a thrilling background of thousands of migrant worker deaths, many of whom were effectively forced into modern slavery and put to work in 50-degree heat building the stadiums, fans have enjoyed some thrilling football. And England too, if you happen to be into that sort of thing. Which I am. Slow, gruelling, torturous, building towards an agonising climax. It's my favourite way to inflict pain, and that's before we even mention the heat. It's roasting hot in Qatar, and the tang of human suffering in the air is positively palpable. It's just like being back home. Home for Alan, of course, being the psychic vortex dimension composed of the howling maelstrom of pain suffered by every sentient being in the multiverse. If you need a quick catch-up, Alan's a shadow demon, bonded to my mortal soul that I picked up a few seasons back. That's right, Red. In your clumsy human tongue, dear listeners, my home dimension is what I guess most of you would refer to as hell. It's basically Milton Keynes at rush hour, just a lot hotter. But we've digressed, because today I want to talk about LGBTQ plus rights and the broader conversation that's been sparked about them by this World Cup. It surprised absolutely nobody in the queer community that Qatar haven't been as welcoming to them as was first promised. Rainbow symbols have been confiscated and banned from stadiums, and FIFA themselves have clamped down on players wearing rainbow armbands by threatening sanctions. FIFA, of course, being my favourite evil organisation in the entire multiverse. And I was once in a book club with the eternal souls of Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy and J.K. Rowling. And while it's been predictably disappointing to see... Hang on. Did you just say the soul of J.K. Rowling? She isn't even dead. Haven't you read Harry Potter? Horcruxes, mate. She put part of her soul into a bra she accidentally donated to the British Heart Foundation a few years back. Then a trans lesbian bought it and later burned it at a feminist protest. Pretty ironic, really. But that's the reason Rowling's got one foot in hell already. Well, it couldn't have happened to a nicer adult human female. But as I was saying, it's been predictably disappointing to see FIFA threaten to punish players for supporting LGBTQ rights and equally disappointing to see so many of them cave to the pressure. Just a friendly heads up, lads. If your allyship only extends to the point where it might have negative consequences for you, then you're kind of missing the point. That point being that Qatar are far from the only state oppressing the rights and lives of queer people. Anti-trans and homophobic rhetoric is on the rise, including in the West, and it's an issue that continues to endanger innocent people everywhere. A point that was made horrifically clear just two weeks ago in the US, when yet another gunman opened fire in a gay club in Colorado, killing five people and wounding 17 others. Homophobic and anti-trans voices are increasingly demonising queer people as paedophiles and groomers simply for existing in a visible way. Now that's nothing new, but the sheer volume of these voices, now amplified by social media and disinformation, means that prejudice and bigotry is now escalating to outright incitement. And outright incitement costs lives. 
And these are not fringe voices either. They're pastors in evangelical churches, social media influencers with enormous reach and conservative politicians with a public platform, all spreading hate more often than not in the name of religion. So you kind of see why we're equating it to Qatar. That's right, Alan. There's no hate quite like Christian love, which is why we've come here to Earth Alpha Austin 316, or as you on Earth Prime more commonly know it, the Christian incarnation of heaven. Welcome, God's children, to the pearly gates at the door of his kingdom. Step forward so that he can be judged. Oops, not for us. Thanks, Pete. We're just passing through. See? Here's my press card. Oh, right. Um, hello. Hang on. Alan, is that you? St. Pete, you old prick. Crikey, what's it been? Two, three thousand years or so since the, uh... No, don't worry about it. It's all a burning lake of fire under the bridge. Right you are. Now, if you wouldn't mind, gentlemen, could you step aside for a minute? It looks like I've got a new arrival to deal with. That's why we're here, actually. If we've timed this right, this ghostly figure ascending to the astral plane right now should be an evangelical pastor who spent the last 50 years denouncing gay and trans people as abominations as he grifted for donations. Hallelujah, my brothers. Elijah Thornwood is here. The most devoted of God's children, ready and willing to receive his eternal reward for spreading the love of Christ among his flock. Yes, yes, do settle down, please. There are a few formalities to go through first. The balance of your sins, for example... It says here in the ledger that you disowned your lesbian daughter. As according to the scripture, I repent only that I could not bring her with me into the embrace of God's love. Right, not really God's job to love her, though, is it? It's kind of yours. But, but please, my holy saint, I've devoted my life to the Bible. Yes, and I can see you've interpreted it rather artistically. Nope, sorry, you're not getting in. But I'm a Christian! You don't look very Christian to me. I can tell by the jawline. Well, I identify as a Christian. Well, I identify as an attack helicopter. That doesn't make it true. Nope, sorry, mate, it's hell for you. Please. It's It's been a long journey. Can't you at least let me in to use the bathroom first? It's not your designated bathroom, though, is it? It's for Christians only. But but I won't be safe in the bathrooms in hell. Christ, the irony. You won't be safe anywhere in hell. That's kind of the point, you bad nonce. What? What did you just call me? What? You thought I didn't know about that? Of course I did. You don't rant about groomers from the pulpit like that unless you're projecting. Go on, fuck off, you nasty little bollocks. No, please! I repent! I repent! Huh. Classic. So there you have it, everyone. Proof, as if you needed it, that blatant prejudice is still evil no matter how you dress it up. 
actually, St. Peter, while we're here, I do have one question. Yes, my child? Just to settle this once and for all, how does God really feel about gay sex? Well, let's just say that the original translation was spread the other cheek. (laughs) Good to know. We are Red Redmond, reporting for IC News. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar. 